0: Having been sitting on the sidelines for nearly 20 years while many other games get the credit for being the best 2D Metroidvanias around including Ori, Hollow Knight, Shadow Complex and many others, the Queen has returned to take her rightful place on the throne that she created but is the seat still available or has Samus lost her touch? The good news is that Metroid still belongs near the top of the genre that it helped create thanks to a great development from Mercury Steam, the same team who developed Metroid Samus Returns for the 3DS. And both Samus Returns and Metroid Dread have been developed in collaboration with Nintendo and series creator Yoshio Sakamoto. This week on the Video Games Podcast, we take a look at Metroid Dread. Having not owned a Nintendo handheld since the Game Boy, there have been many missed entries since including Metroid Fusion on the Game Boy Advance in 2002 which is the prequel to Metroid Dread and there are also likely a lot of owners of the Switch who might be coming to the series fresh having never played any of the first 4 entries in the storyline. Metroid Dread does a very good job at the start by filling players in on the storyline up until this point whether you're brand new to the series or if you've been there every step of the way and this is done in a very movie of the week style that had me concerned at first because this is the first thing you see when playing Metroid Dread but those fears are quickly assuaged once you start exploring as Samus and you can see the passion that went into this project. If you have come to Metroid Dread to play an excellent Metroidvania then you have come to the right place. While not eclipsing the benchmarks in the genre that have been set by games like the visually stunning Ori in the Blind Forest or the artistically oozing Hollow Knight, Metroid Dread still holds its own, and little details go a long way to help the immersion on planet ZDR. Wildlife scatters when weapons are fired, the ground glows around Samus when the charge rifle is used, and the industrial world in the background has some great lighting effects, such as lighting leaking in through ventilation fans. The world that Samus explores feels vast but it never feels insurmountable as the game is broken up into many different sections which are traversed by loading screens disguised as trains or teleportation and these areas are different from enough from factory machinery to laboratory to underwater stations to forests that exploration never feels like a chore especially since in many of the areas there is plenty happening in the background to flesh out this universe. Metroid Dread has very tight controls which is bolstered by great design and animations and due to this, a lot of the frustration is mitigated with games that require this tight precision. Samus auto-clambers to areas that can sometimes seem just on the edge of reachability and she also automatically turns into a ball when the tunnel is at the right height. Playing Metroid Dread is perfectly serviceable on a launched Nintendo Switch in handheld mode but Metroid Dread feels best when playing docked using the Pro Controller. Metroid Dread also sees the return of the deflect mechanic which was introduced by Mercury Steam with Metroid Samus Returns. And this was a very smart addition to the Metroid formula, which is a great way to add a level of strategy and timing to her arsenal. It also fits in perfectly with Samus as she is a badass bounty hunter and no matter the size of the alien, all she needs is the right window of opportunity to disarm and disable a foe. Metroid Dread runs very well on the Switch with a near flawless frame rate that runs at 60 frames per second that feels like a requirement for the accuracy needed for a modern Metroidvania. There was only one point in the game where the 2017 hardware reared its ugly outdated technology head, and this was during some random portion of the underwater lab when Samus battled some random fish, and it's possible that different people might experience different hiccups, but outside of that one minor hiccup, the entirety of the game performance was very impressive. This impressive performance is also boosted by the minimal loading screens which only take place at the beginning of the game, right after death for a second or two, and between major hubs, which even then are disguised by animated sequences such as elevator rides. Metroid Dread has followed the series blueprint to the decimal point. Pacing is excellent, and you always feel like you're making progress or moving forward. Even at times where you might feel like you're going in the wrong direction, Samus always manages to end up in the right spot, and this is a true credit to the level design. The areas feel distinct enough, which help you understand if you are where you're supposed to be, and the map features icons for different types of doors that make it very easy to find an area to explore if you're feeling lost, and chances are there is a door on the map that you can now access. The platforming is difficult yet accessible. The enemies can range from easy arm blasting material to constantly challenging from beginning to end, and the bosses and enemies provide a level of challenge and frustration that eventually led to a massive sense of accomplishment. It would have been nice to see some of the bosses in Metroid Dread have a health gauge as some of the frustration could be avoided if you knew that each attempt you were improving. Instead, you just have to keep dodging and attacking, hoping that they change to their next form and hope for their eventual defeat. The one big addition to the Metroid formula and the Metroidvania blueprint is by being the prey and not the predator. In Metroid Dread, there are sections in which you're pursued by Emmys and Emmys are massive robots that are designed to protect certain areas no matter the cost. They do this using patrol routes and sonar and just the sound of these robotic hunters coming closer added a level of suspense to Metroid Dread as being caught by one usually results in instant death. The good news is that emmy areas never overstayed their welcome and the minigame in which you attempt to escape their robotic clutches of death had me hooked from the very first capture because it was always a fun challenge that always felt random These sections are also well spread out across the game, and it's very clear which areas are patrolled by the Emmys. Samus also gains some suit abilities which aid you in escaping capture, and even better, eventually you will gain access to a room in which you can find an Omega Blaster, which is the only way to defeat Emmys. Once defeated using the very limited Omega Blaster, you're then free to explore their patrolled area at peace for the remainder of the game. Metroid Dread is a pretty flawless game from the pacing to the visuals, the animations, the level design, and anything in between, but there are a few small gripes that keep it from being perfect. It would have been really great if Metroid Dread had some in-game achievement system or even some in-game stats so I can see how many times I died to an Emmy, lots, or how many times I was able to perfectly time an escape, little. Another big gripe that I have about Metroid Dread is the omission of a journal or bestiary or compendium or whatever you want to call it. Some of the greatest entries in the Metroidvania genre such as Hollow Knight, Dead Cells and even Metroid Prime include a logbook, some type of journal so that you might see and learn more about certain types of enemies that you've defeated. And even in some games, the more you defeat a certain type of enemy, the more lore and information gets revealed about this species. This is a nice way to build out the world while giving players some incentive. This goes a very long way during times where you might feel lost and looking for the next path forward, that at least you're gaining something small at all times. The artists and creators of these games spend a lot of time designing, creating, and bringing these enemies and species to life, and this is also a nice way to show them just how important the inhabitants of this world are to the game. Finally, on the list of small gripes with an otherwise excellent entry in the franchise is that in 2021, some mechanics to activate a machine to drain water from an area still only requires just shooting something. I think it would have been nice if some light puzzle-solving mechanics were required to activate some mechanism. It's also a shame that Mercury Steam's first entry in the series, Metroid Samus Returns on the 3DS from 2017, which was a remake of the 1991 Game Boy title, Metroid 2 Return of Samus, did not get ported along. Side Metroid Dread or included in a special edition or something like that as playing 2D Metroid on the Switch feels fantastic but knowing Nintendo with what seems like will be the most successful Metroid game of all time thanks to thirst from the community plus the install base of over 89 million Switch users the company will port it to the hybrid system in about a year at full price. When it's all said and done, Metroid Dread doesn't add much new to the genre or even the franchise, but that's okay. There is a reason that Metroid as a franchise has resonated with fans for over five different decades and spawned a genre of its own. Metroidvanias are a tested formula that many developers are still emulating with fantastic entries such as Hollow Knight and Ori and plenty others. These entries also didn't do much new either other than art and story because the core of these games are following the same blueprint set out many years ago. Metroid Dread doubles down on what made this series iconic and also adds in plenty of small touches that go a very long way in establishing this universe without any dialogue from the protagonist, the way which the cinematography pulls out during some sections to give a true sense of the isolation and the vastness of the world that Samus explores from a colossal alien autopsy in the laboratory or prehistoric marine biology in the underwater research station. It can also have the opposite effect when the camera pulls in really tight sometimes that we can see a sense of fear and dread within Samus and all of these feelings and emotions are earned by design and not forced by dialogue and narration. Metroid Dread doesn't reinvent the wheel, but as the saying goes, you don't mess with perfection. And having founded the genre in the 80s and heading into the fifth decade of Metroidvania as being a staple of gaming, it's clear that the Metroidvania formula is perfection. Metroid Dread scores a 9 out of 10. That's all for this week's episode of the Video Games Podcast. Hopefully, if you're considering Metroid Dread, then this will push you in the right direction. And if you haven't subscribed, please consider doing so, as it truly helps. And as always, remember, be nice to your fellow gamer, but more importantly, be nice to your fellow human.